with Trump in the news, with the FBI raids and all sorts of issues with oil and wars, there's something that might be missing your news intake. And we're going to talk about that today with the leading cause of death in Canada, euthanasia. We'll discuss that uh, today as we stray further every day. What you believe about God dictates how you will think. Our philosophies dictate how our culture behaves. Politics is simply the enforcement of cultural norms. The truth claims about God, philosophy, culture, and policies will affect what we value. When these things are in alignment, revival is possible. Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. To my left, around the room, we got Miss Nikki. How are you? Good. How are you today? I am here. I am tired. Mm. I just got off a very long hundred-something hour work week. So if I slur my words, uh, <laughs> it's not because you were drinking. It's because you're tired. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't really drink. But having you in the chair of theology, the reason why we believe what we believe, Mr. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Glad to have you in the chair of philosophy. It is good to be back. It's been a little while. Yes, sir. But uh, we're looking forward to this topic. One that is not... I would dare say people probably have not heard anything about in the last year. Absolutely. And so Mr. Charlie is the one who pulled this one out of the hat and said, hey, this is something that's really interesting. This this article from uh, the Daily Caller, we need to dig into it. So he's going to be taking somewhat point on this to, to an extent. And to his left, we got um, Mr. Steve. How yes. are you? I, man, I'm doing just fine today, John Arthur. I see everybody's doing good and we'll... Pray for you on your words learned today. <laughs> Thank you. I'm on Thank tap you. dance this year, buddy. Thank you. Very good. Dealing with the counterculture of the Christian spring. Yours truly sitting in the chair of politics and also warming the chair of economics, although from the chair of politics, I'm not going to hop chairs. That's silly. So let's dig into it. There is a very interesting story from the Daily Caller. It's going to be linked in the description below. As always, all citations uh, in the description and ultimately on the website, Provoked to Reason. Mr. Charlie, you want to carry us away with the headliner story? Yeah, let's take a look at this. Um, this is an article that you'll find in the Daily Caller that really, if, if you were just thumbing through, you might just blow on by it. But here's what the headline read that, that really stood out. Physician-assisted suicide, the number one cause of death in Canada. And so when we think about that, we don't think of it as a topic that necessarily affects us in America. And the issue is, is that it actually does, and we're going to talk about that. But this is an issue that I believe uh, worldwide is going to become more and more uh, prevalent. There's one thing that we do want to do here tonight um, as we do this this uh, recording. We want to be very clear about this. We're not talking about DNR, do not resuscitate. That is not the issue that we're, we're delving into. We are talking about the act of euthanasia. And so we're not talking about needlessly prolonging someone's life uh, artificially. We're talking about what we would call medical homicide, all right? And that's with intent. So the argument from the euthanasia camp um, comes from personal autonomy, but the autonomy argument is a weak one. And I will say that when you look at the issues of Roe versus Wade and some of the arguments that are made there that are also weak, there's a lot of similarities here just on the opposite side. So we want to uh, delve into this uh, a little bit. And so tonight, um, Nikki, I want you to get us kicked off on the issue of theology. Give me, give me a sentence or two that would really sum up a start from a, le a theological standpoint on this issue of euthanasia. It's taking on God's perspective of the value of life and that he is the author of your life from the beginning to the end. And I, I think if, if we were all really honest with ourselves, when we take a look at the totality of Scripture— God is all about life. Uh, I was talking with, with you earlier, Steve, and we were talking about the issue that the Bible is a very violent book. But that violence is, is typically an issue regarding sin. And that's not where God is 
delving into this issue from a biblical perspective. Philosophically, you know, when we're talking about looking for the wise way to look at this, I believe that people, and here's, here's my one sentence here, I think people fail to look at the long-term ramifications of physician-assisted suicide as opposed to really thinking out through the whole thing. And part of what we're doing here tonight is we're going to explain some of that. This is not a topic that should be handled uh, flippantly, um, carelessly. It really is an important topic. Steve, from a cultural perspective, just a quick one sentence, one or two sentence thing that we should be looking at from cultural standpoint. Well, in, in a cultural perspective, it seems that euthanasias in various countries or even here in the United States, uh, populace-wise, seems to be becoming more accepted. Uh, there was a poll done, I'll have to, uh, that was done in the United States where one-third of the people think that it's okay. So I mean, you think about it, one-third of the population in the United States thinks it's okay for euthanizing people. I think, though, they, they misunderstand the complete idea of euthanasia. I think what they're, they're thinking is people are terminally ill and you're allowing them to die or helping them. Uh, I think, in my I, per- opinion, that's what I think a third of the, the country thinks. Let me, let me woo you guys up there because we are going to dig into that. Uh, we absolutely will. John Arthur, the, the points from the political and economic side are most, almost insane when you think about it. So give us a couple thoughts there. Let's run it down. When you have a departure from the godly standard, when you have a departure from the godly standard where man is subject to God's law, and now instead of man being subject to God's law, man creates the value or bestows the value onto the individual. That right there, that is where you start to see, it might not take, it may take five years, it may take 10, it may take 20, but you will see the values that man put, whether it be on the Nordic or the Aryan race, or whether it be on the fit and the able-bodied mm-hmm. or the wanted children here in the States, you'll start to see man take all that away and from, I, and from the economics. And, and I... I want to stay there for just a moment. I want to go a little more on the political angle here for just a sec. Because one of the things that we don't think about, and I'm going back to the Affordable Care Act. What was the argument that we heard? We're going to have death squads. We're going to have people that are, you know, going to be making the decisions. You get to live, you don't kind of thing. And that fear, I believe, is real. And we can point to the 1930s. Absolutely. And talk about that a little and bit. These are, and these are the same people. These are the same people who've been trying to implement this. You actually want to go to the, well, you can go all the way back to the 1800s, but let's not. You go back to the 18, or the 1920s, rather, where we started to see the eugenics and the yes. pure society movements. Yes. And where they wanted to see is a healthy society of individuals where the dreck or the human weeds were gleaned off. And these are terms that are used by folks like Margaret Sanger, uh, folks who have no desire for godliness. They do not care about anyone except for themselves and their idea, their, their model of utopia. And where you end up with is a fascistic regime. It's a centralized regime that is now playing God. And, and that sums it up really well. And, and folks... You need to understand when you're talking about uh, euthanasia, you really cannot talk about this topic without really touching on the issue of eugenics. And if you do not understand the issue of eugenics, I want to encourage you to do some digging. But this really, it it came to a culmination, if you will, uh, when Hitler was in power. He was all about clearing out the black populace. Well, he was going to clear out the Jewish people first. And then he was going for the black people. And that's the idea that John Arthur is talking about here. We're talking about just erasing ethnicities of people is really what we're talking about. So um, 
Steve, we're from a cultural standpoint. You touched on a little earlier about um, some different things. How many different countries is this allowed in? The euthanasia. Um, I believe it's six. Well, six, seven, six, seven, seven, seven something like that, completely. And one of them has no age limit, which I believe is Switzerland. Mm. Now, isn't that odd? No, uh, no age limit. I mean, it, and if we think you, we're fighting the issue of abortion, mm-hmm. now we're fighting the issue of euthanasia on on the other side of that. It, and that really speaks to the, the values of the yes. human life. Yes. So if I can just chime in from the chair of economics yeah. for just a second, the last bit of that is where does the value lie in human life? And this is closely tied in with the chair of culture. Where does the value of the human life lie? Does it lie in the ascribed value and worth that society gives, or does it come from you being an image bearer of the almighty God? Where does that come from? If you can answer that question correctly, you will understand that life is worth fighting for. And if you have to let someone go, they have a DNR, that's one thing. But actively committing medical homicide, that's a different, that's that's a different animal. And, and it often is done for money. And I... If, if, if you'll permit me, I'd yeah. love to actually pull out a case study. And again, links in the description below. I'd love to pull out a case study from this one nurse in, um, in Aussie land down under. I forget which, which province she was out of. She was speaking under anonymity because she was concerned about her job. However, uh, she went on to say that she, she detailed several stories where she said, look, we're talking about ending care. This isn't euthanasia, but this is in states that are allowing euthanasia, or talking according the idea. And she says, if euthanasia is indeed allowed, I used to be in favor of euthanasia. I'm no longer, she says, why I'm no longer in favor of euthanasia, I believe is the, the name. But in an article to the Leading Edge blog, uh, she was quoted, there was a family that stood in a corridor of a very busy ward and argued about why the individual who held power of attorney was wasting everyone's time by requesting medical staff keep the patient alive they insist and they instead refused they instead needed to refuse treatment and let nature take its course otherwise uh, on discharge the patient would have to go into care that would uh, eat into their inheritance this terrible awful life crippling injury or illness was a chest infection that was going it was receding with medications I mean, that's nuts. It is nuts. And and, right. and and we have more stories. Yeah. We have more stories. I don't know if you want to get the one about the lady in Britain. So I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to go over to Steve for just a moment, if you would pull that up. Um, so, Steve, we've, we've got yeah. a few countries here that, that are legalized for this. Colombia, Canada, Australia, as we just talked about. Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, and Switzerland. Um, and for you, when you see an issue like this for Canada, and it's a leading cause of death, what, what goes through your mind there? I think of uh, socialized medicine, for one, uh, starting off. And then I start thinking about, okay, what is their reasons for legalizing this? Why is it completely legal? Is it because they want to get rid of certain parts of the population, the elderly, the sick, the homeless, for one thing? You know, there's in some of these countries, there are plenty of homeless people. You know, their yeah. argument is that they want them to die with dignity. That's what they'll come back and tell you. Well, we just want our people to die with dignity. And one of the things about um, I read in your article was that um, there are several countries that allow euthanasia, but Canada is the only country that allows the doctor to make the suggestion or talk to the patient about it. Really right. interesting because uh, you know, I believe it's in Australia. Um, it's one of these countries. I believe it's Australia. We, we need to double check that. But I believe one of the countries, the doctor cannot say a word about it. 
it has to actually be requested by the person two times. So that's a very interesting point that you're bringing out. John Arthur, you've got that article there. Go ahead and delve into that for a moment. Yes. So this is from the BBC, link in the description below. But um, this came out of the, the Hague Court, and this is kind of chilling. They said that all legal requirements of the euthanasia legislation had been met by the doctor. These two kids and this one doctor were in, they slipped this lady some coffee that was drugged. And then they held her down when she woke up and said, I don't want to go yet. She had intimated that at some point she didn't want to become a burden. She would consider going ahead and being euthanized. But she, she wasn't ready. For she that. wasn't ready. And so this comes out of the BBC and, and it's actually called the Dutch uh, euthanasia case. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's a famous landmark case. But you had this lady being held down by her children. She was being held down by her children and the doctor while they gave her the, the killing drug, a lethal mm -hmm. dose. What did the Hague court say? They said all of the legal standards had been met. The prosecution said you did not appropriately obtain consent. The verdict and the decision handed down in the Hague, which is, by the way, the European uh, yeah. World Court, said actually... The doctor did because she had dementia. Therefore, she was no longer capable of making a competent decision. What she had intimated vaguely before about some time at some date was now the mandatory state of today. I will say that for those of you listening, you probably never want to have the Hague make a decision when you're in the defense it probably will not go well. And it is one of the most liberal courts on this planet. Um, I do want to talk a little bit quickly, very quickly on the uh, philosophical side. You know, one of the arguments that we, we hear is, you know, or, or could hear is, why, why isn't euthanasia okay? I mean, we're, we're pulling the plug anyway. And Again, I want to reemphasize to everyone that we're not talking about DNR, uh, do not resuscitate. Um, we're talking about the intentional act of putting someone to death. And that is a very different um, dynamic. I will say for everyone's benefit, I don't care if you're young, old, whatever, um, you should have... If, if you want these decisions made your way, you should have a living will and a living trust. Those are two things that you should really consider um, to, to help deal with this issue. Because now let's talk a little bit more about the quote-unquote slippery slope. Because I think that's exactly what we're seeing, especially in the European countries with the case that you just brought out. Um, I, I think we're starting to see some of this. And I will say, before we go any further, there's probably four countries that really have grabbed my attention. And, and that is, and this is in no particular order, United States, <laughs> Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Folks, all you have to do is take a look at how New Zealand and Australia handled the pandemic, and you can see why they're they're up at the top of my uh, radar. Uh, they're they're there. I'm, I'm watching. Uh, I used to think that it'd be really cool to go to those two countries to visit. I'm not sure about that anymore. And it's not because they're not beautiful countries and don't have really wonderful people. It is because you get into these legal situations, and when push comes to shove, they're going to shove hard so and let's talk about this slippery slope a little bit um in in nikki from a i'm not even going to ask you to necessarily worry about the theological point on this but we are going to get into more theology here in just a little bit what is it that this leads to if we allow euthanasia well what will happen is it, it'll become down a uh, breakdown of the value of life. First, you know, it starts with the abortion, I believe. 
and it was, you know, first it was, you know, abortion at the beginning, and now it's abortion on demand, and now it's abortion up to the day before the child is born. Um, and, and maybe even, and even, yeah, and, and even yeah. Uh, beyond that, in California, with the, some of the laws that they passed. So when you reach that point, then what you, you're doing is you're teetering on, it's not just my life, my choice, it's going to be, well, this life is a miserable life, and we're being merciful by, you know, ending this life. Uh, mentally, the mental, mentally ill, uh, a Down syndrome child, uh, and we, it's just going to go on and on. It's going to be the old, uh, I like what John Arthur said, the uh, uh, needless eaters. Is that the word you? Correct. Needless, that they're just service. useless eaters. They just eat, but they can't do anything else. Um, and then you're going to see it ch- turn into a whole, like they did over in Iraq, a tribe. Let's get rid of this tribe. Mm-hmm. Let's get rid of those Christians. Uh, let's get rid of the Jews. And they, they are a smudge on society. We're, we're, being, we're doing society a gift. Mm-hmm. That's where we're going. John Arthur. And that's the one thing I just want to weigh in. You use the word slippery slope, and I, I hate, hate, hate that argument. You're not supposed to hate things, but I, it is out of the pit of the hell. Uh, itself because think about it it's not a slippery slope it's a you've gotten off god's standard anything goes you're in a house of cards conservatives have been accused of making these slippery slope arguments we're not talking about a slippery slope we're saying if you step off of god's value structure there is no end it's not about a slippery slope it's you have removed and divorced yourself from God's, his, his hierarchy, his order, the instruction manual for the universe is your Bible. Actually, John Arthur, I think what you're doing is you're actually playing God. You've pushed Amen. God off the throne and you said, I'll decide. And with, and with that, you have absolutely set yourself up for failure because yeah. unlike God, you have no idea how this universe works. And, uh, it, you know, you... you your only sanity on that comes from a relationship with it. Mm. You know, that's like uh, Nikki had brought up the part about uh, abortion. You think about partial birth abortions that they mm-hmm. have. That is euthanasia. That, that's exactly Absolutely. what that is. I mean, that's it's exactly no what that is. It's just different terms segmenting off exactly what they want to do and, and conservatives Christians, if you consider yourself that, stop playing the middle of the road. Either mm. either we have common ground or we don't. And again, a good question is, is, do you think that there's any point where we should not allow an abortion? And if they say, nope, nine months up until birth, partial birth, I'm sorry, there's no common ground with you. You are fighting for the side of evil if you believe that. Mm. Maybe we can turn you with love and grace and mercy but I will not find common ground with that person. There is no common ground to be had. If they say 18, uh, you know, 18 weeks or eight weeks, okay, why show them a fetal chart? Why is it different? Why is it okay to kill a 69-year-old and not a 68-year-old? What about that person's innate value? Not their value to society, because that's not the standard. Because you've got people None of us would, would say that it would be okay to walk to the side of the street and shoot a panhandler. No. Well, mm, however, which? however, that panhandler does not have, love him or hate him, does not have the same value to society that someone like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs has had. Whether or not you, dis, you know, dislike their politics or whatever, they provided immense amount of value for society. So if for some reason, no one would say we would need to trade their lives one for the other. Everyone knows that that's a more immoral ca- calculation. Is it okay to euthanize a 69-year-old person versus a six-month pregnant woman who's her baby mm, when yeah. she's pregnant with her baby? I mean, it, you, we call it abortion, but it, it's what it is. It's euthanasia. It's, it's, that, it's just with a different it's name. Homicide. Let's give it a different name instead of calling it euthanizing a child. Medical, Let's call it a, a different medical name. Med- Let's give it something else. That's why we call it in utero baby murder. 
So we call it a number of other things. You need to stop using euphemisms. And, and I'm sorry, I'm tired of playing nice. You look at what's going on with Donald Trump. They're raiding his house at Mar-a-Lago right now, August, uh, what is it, August 17th, 16th? 2022 16, yeah. of the recording of this they're raiding you know his place they don't play nice because they're not on the side of righteousness mm -hmm. we can play nice but we have to hold our ground we have to mm. be righteous good thoughts there good thoughts there there's a lot to be said for having an understanding of this issue we've we've talked about a lot here uh, concerning euthanasia, uh, let me let me go around real quick and just ask, what is the one thing from a theological perspective, Nikki, that that we as Christians should be looking at when we want to talk about this from a biblical perspective? Well, I think the the key is God's in um, how God perceives an individual's life, the value of that individual. That's the problem here, is that God looks at all individuals with, that are extremely valuable to him, and we have to be very careful when we start picking and choosing which one has more value than the other one, because, you know, the ground is level at the cross. Mm. Very important thing to remind ourselves of. Absolutely. Give us a few of those verses there that... Okay, um, I'm going to start with Ecclesiastes 7, 17. Doing it the old-fashioned way. I'm actually looking in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing. We be, like that. Be not over much wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldest thou die before thy time? Mm. Mm. So then uh, let me go to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 26. And I think the one I want you to get after that is out of Deuteronomy 30. Yeah, I'll get there. Great, great verse there. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Mm. I like that. And then, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Let me, let me read the next verse under that because okay. it goes with it. Yep. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days. And thou mayest mm. dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. And I think that the key point in all of that is God is the author of your life. He chooses your time of death. You should not choose your time of death. If you cleave to him, he's talking, you know, cleave to me. He'll walk you through what you, you need to go through. He'll be the one that will, will safely walk you through this life and safely take you home. Mm. And I think as we speak from a Christian perspective, we're not promised a, a rose garden. Um, there are a number of people that, well, you and I, we have a family member that uh, has cerebral palsy uh, as a result of an auto accident when her mom was carrying her. She was uh, eight months, seven, eight months, and um, she has cerebral palsy, and she's had a she's had a tough tough life. She's done well though. Um, she is graduated with a degree from college and in, is doing some uh, ministry work, which, you know, that's the example, Steve, that I, I think a lot of people miss. We, we, if, if you and I are given the decision mm -hmm. about whether to extend somebody's life or to take it early, we have the potential of screwing the decision up. Oh, gosh, man, you know that's true, because uh, as as humans, we constantly make the wrong decisions in our lives. Look back. All you got to do, I, I can look back on my life and see the mistakes I made along my life. But and and that is my walk that I have made. And then 
people can ask me about things and I can say, hey, this is what I've done and the mistakes I've made in my mm-hmm. life. You know, you may not want to take this step or take this path in life because this is the type of things you'll run into. This is what will happen to you if you do these and make these types of mistakes in your life. This is a wrong decision That's to make. wisdom being passed on from generation to generation. And, and I would dare say, folks, when you get into the euthanasia argument, that, that is one of the things that I think is overlooked. It's, it, we don't even think about the wisdom that can be passed on from somebody like that. Uh, we've talked about a number of different reasons why euthanasia is committed, and some of them are not really euthanasia. They are intent to murder. Right. Um, by others. You know, you, you talk about uh, a family member that has cerebral palsy. I've got a grandson um, eight months ago that was uh, diagnosed with uh, um, dang, I had it and now, now I lost it. Excuse me. It'll come to me here again. <laughs> oh. That's an age thing. John Arthur, let <laughs> yeah. me, let me uh, come to, to you for a moment. There was, and again, these links will be in the uh, description. Um, there's an article out of hoover.org. And what I'd like you to do um, is I would like you to, to get to the last uh, paragraph on that. And by the way, the, the article is interesting. And, and let me, while he's looking that up, I, I want to let everyone know just because we pull up a particular website does not mean that we're endorsing the website. Uh, we're not saying yay or nay. Um, we, we try to find different, different things to, to think about. Our, our objective here is to make you think, to provoke you to think, to uh, move further every day and, and not fall short. So pull some things out of there, John Arthur, that, that really struck you. and so Especially the, the... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're good. Didn't mean to get you there. Uh, I'll, I'll go over the last two uh, paragraphs because I think they sum it up very well, and they're, they're coming from a different perspective, more of a center, maybe even left perspective. But I like what I like where they came. The solution to this to this dilemma is simple: the Dutch, like the British, must allow private medicine to coexist with public medicine. That is a huge point. In the so-called mixed system. Now, I'm, I'm not in favor of a public system. I think the church should be about the business Amen. of providing this. By the way, Dr. Linda Flower, she's been on the podcast. She's coming up for another episode soon. Uh, she works with a clinic called Tomagua, Tomball, Magnolia, Waller. They uh, serve the Tri-County uh, Tri- area. area. And they... We'll take you if you have $2, if you have $200, if you don't have insurance, you qualify for their clinic. And it was funded primarily through the church for many, many years. Guess what the church hasn't been doing? It hasn't been supporting local missions. Amen. So guess what they had to do? They had to apply for some, some state aid. Church, you need to be part of this. But you moving you on, need to invest in it. But moving in further into the, uh, the last two paragraphs of the Hoover Institute's article here, link in the description, of course, if patients do not like the treatment at public facilities, they can switch to private ones. This is more immoral than, quote unquote, trapping patients into a public system. Uh, introducing private medicine also would take some of the pressure off public health budgets. The lesson from the welfare state uh, experience with life extending technologies is clear. It is not enough for science to find new ways of extending life if the benefits of the new technology our technological revolutions in health uh, care are to be fully exploited by mankind. Health care must be allocated through the private sector. That's talking about your personal autonomy. That's talking about your individual freedom to pick your life-saving treatment. Guess what happens when you have this wonderful Canadian free health care? You are intimated, you know, it's going to be $1,500 for, for hospice. By the way, another link in the description below is from uh, a Britannica pros and cons on euthanasia. And the cons, uh, or rather the, the pros for euthanasia, will come from the, uh, I believe it is the death with, with, with um, dignity crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say, 
well, they're already in hospice, so they're not costing all that much money. Therefore, <laughs> it's not an issue of money. I'm sorry. Do you know how much hospice is? Starts at about a 500 American, goes to 1,500 American a day. Yeah. A day. My grandfather has been in hospice. My grandmother has been in hospice. My, my uh, step-grandmother from the other side in hospice. I've watched this. This is an expensive, drawn-out process. Tensions run high in families. And guess what? We gave you a couple studies. I'm sure some of you have some from your own life uh, stories and history where you can see where the economic proposition of, well, but they're going to burn through the inheritance. That's not your money. Amen. That's not your money. It's not your money. Get your freaking hands off of it. It's not your money. You cannot euthanize your parent because there's going to be $30,000 less in your bank account. You can't do that. You are not a no. That is that is not allowed in a civilized, godly society. That's the only thing that makes it illegal in Switzerland if it's being done under that pretense. Only thing for inheritance. John Arthur, I think that that article there, the pro-con article, uh, folks, I would encourage you to read the con sides. There is some strong arguments um, for for that, uh, for the issue of not having euthanasia. Um, good, good citations here. Let's, I think we got to wrap this up. Um, are we, go oh, ahead, no, Steve. No, uh, go ahead. We still got no, about 20, 25. Oh, do we? Oh, we're still good. Okay. Okay. You're, you're, you're running us through real fast. I am running us through fast. This is, this Altism. is his first time kind of, kind of hosting. So yes. he's doing, he's doing well. Uh, I'll, I'll extend it I just a little bit. I have my foot bit. to the floor, folks. We're he's moving. Well. I'll extend it just a little go bit. Ahead. And I remembered. Watch, watch the ticker over there. We still got, we still got about twenty minutes left. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll remember now. <laughs> my brain kicked in. I remember now. Uh, my that my grandson, it was about six, maybe ten months ago, was diagnosed with autism. Mm. Okay, he's three years old. Now. My, he's my youngest stepson that had him and his wife. They have, including him, five kids. Now, with five kids, one of them being autistic, and they just recently had a, a baby who's, who is now almost a year old. Well, I think she had her first birthday. Now, you've got a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and then the other three, um, one of them's in junior high, and then the other two are in elementary. Okay. So. Kind of house full. Now, right, a full household, five kids, and one of them's autistic. Now, you know, if some people are really into this, what would they want to do? They'd think, oh, this is too much trouble. I, you know, five kids and I got all of this and my bills and, and everything. Oh, it's just going to cost too much and everything. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know, maybe we should just do something about this child cause he's being a burden. Let's have him. Well, it would be best for him if I because you, you know what I'm saying here? Yes. And so I can't recommend the show man in a high castle by Amazon prime. But uh, it was written off a really cool book. It was a fun, it's a fun thriller. But there's a, a scene in there where you have an individual, you have a young boy who realizes that he has a genetic defect. And this is, in, this is if not the, the Nazis won the war and we saw uh, the conquering of the United States by Nazi Germany and Japan. And, and, and you're, you're seeing the full fruition of that state, of those ideas of euthanasia of the perfect race. You have a young man, he's got some genetic defects. He turns himself in to be destroyed upon realizing his father fights. You know, he murders the doctor. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna take care of my son. I'm, you know, he, you know the doctor gives him the, the, the syringe to euthanize his son quietly and, and he just gives it to the doctor and then he kills the doctor and dumps him in the lake. I mean, the whole nine yards, very mafia-like. But then all of that is thwarted by the boy effectively committing suicide. He render, surrenders himself to the state. 
that's not far-fetched. That really is what we're talking about when we start to look at sure. if, it is un, if it's painful, if it's not. I don't think I'm outing you. No. But, but if I may, you, you're, right. you, you're someone because you have, see, you've had seizures. People who have seizures in the Nazi state were considered defective. Correct. Mm. And so we, we have someone right here who would not be here if the state were deciding his fate as right. they did in the 1930s, 1940s Germany. Yep. And you live a wonderful life and you're a wonderful mm. blessing to everyone around. There's zero reason to yes. euthanize you. Part of uh, Hitler's part was to get rid of those who had epilepsy. And they were close to the top of the list. Epileptics, yes, very much so. Because they weren't good workers, so-called. Right. You know, I want to, oh, oh, if, if I have a minute, I want to just share with you that um, looking at this from a biblical perspective, um, I've heard many stories when a, a parent becomes very ill toward the end and the child has to minister to that individual. Let me just share a story about, uh, I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied here, but when I was young, my great-grandparents came to live with my grandmother, and my grandmother lived just down the street. So I was there several days out of the week playing with my cousins because we all lived in the same community. And I was outside playing. My grandmother, my great-grandmother had a stroke, and she was bedridden. And we had, the family had round-the-clock care. We had a big family, so there was a lot of people that came in and took care of her. Well, this day, I came in the house. My grandfather did not hear me because he was hard of hearing my great-grandfather. And he was talking to my grandmother, and she couldn't respond. But he was just holding her hand and just telling her sweet things about their life together. And he was just tenderly taking care of her. And what we stop, we don't stop to realize is that if you have a child that has special needs, I I know people, they had a baby who did not have the correct uh, chromosomes. So she was only given anywhere from three months to a year to live. And so what this couple decided to do is they brought that baby to church and they said, whoever wants to hold this baby and love on this baby, you can love on this baby. And everybody did. And she lived until she was 19 years old. And she never spoke. She never walked. And when she died, those parents were heartbroken. God worked. They had incredible joy. That's what I'm talking about is that. great memories. She never had the quality of life that you and I have, but God did an amazing thing in the child and the parents. And when your parent is dying, yes, you don't want to see them suffer, but there's great love and great joy and great feelings that a child will give to the, to the father, to the mother, to the, the spouse. Mm-hmm. And we're missing that. We're all thinking about ourselves, and we're not thinking oh, about boy. the that's, other self, just, the other side of things. That's you just hit it. Boy, you're not kidding. Isn't that what our culture's about? And, me, and me, self, self, I, I, I want me, me. Every one of these self-autonomy arguments, every one of these self-autonomy arguments always ultimately stems from an exaltation of self for your own long-term pleasure. It is always an exaltation of yourself for long-term pleasure, whether it be my body, my choice to kill another individual in my womb. It's their autonomy to commit suicide. I'm sorry, a bottle of sleeping pills and you're good to go. Uh, There's other reasons here. There are other reasons. It's not Mm -hmm. just for self-assisted suicide. There's something else going on here. It is for a society that can prune those who are useless mm. or not good or getting in the way of the, uh, the inheritance. I'm just saying. I want to take a look at this website, uh, webtruth.org. Uh, links will be in the, in the post. I want to read these couple of paragraphs here at the end. I think they're really well stated, and they really touch on what Nikki just brought out. Multiple times in the Word of God, We are reminded of the need to treat all men justly and fairly. Psalm 72, relating to a future time when a king will reign in righteousness, emphasizes 
the poor and needy, would moral justice be served by putting to death those who are demented and debilitated? Have they done anything to warrant death? Would it be just? God has a care for those who are innocent, helpless, and weak. God is the God of the vulnerable. He will avenge all who take advantage of such. At the beginning of life, abortion violates this standard. At the end of life, euthanasia does likewise. None of us would look forward to being mentally incapacitated, nor to be called upon to care for someone in that state for many years. Let us, however, recognize the value of all believers and seek with divine help to show them godlike love and care. We must categorically reject any attempt to lessen the personhood of an individual made in the likeness of God. Powerful, powerful stuff right there. Guys, tell me, tell me what you think is the most important thing that an, an adult and, and young people should think about when it comes to euthanasia. John Arthur, I'm going to start with you. We're going to work around. So I just want to come from the economics chair and political chair, and we'll send it up. Yep. So from the chair of economics, a couple of things to consider. We as a society have... In the, in the guise of economic freedom, of personal autonomy, killed 70 so many. million children so many. in utero in America. We have killed so many in the womb. Please do not make the same mistake by killing the elderly, the sick, or those who are suffering from maladies or those who are considering or contemplating suicide, not only do you devalue the image, the value of that image bearer in Christ, but you also set yourself up in the future for yourself to be devalued. Oh, amen. If you can't see mm-hmm. that right now in 40 years, 50 years, whatever it is, whatever the new standard is for you, just understand, once you have devalued the human, what becomes politically permissible, permissible by the government, will be enforced. When you have failed this upstream, the theology, philosophy, and culture, the culture will enforce itself by the policies of the government. And we've seen what that looks like. We've seen mm. what that looks like in the 1930s Germany. We've seen what that looks like in, in Maoist China. We've seen what that looks like in Cambodia, in Laos, in Venezuela. We've seen where they want to take us today. Do not let this occur. Draw a line. And the line is that person has immeasurable worth. Maybe we don't have to take extraordinary measures to prolong a suffering life. Okay? But active murder... 3D printing a knife that goes to the head, yes, that's actually a thing. Uh, that is not acceptable. The suicide pod in Australia by Dr. Dr. Death, all of that nonsense, it is not righteous. It is not Amen. good. Steve, from a cultural yes. perspective, what's, what's uh, a key thing we must remember? I think one of the things we need to remember is, is like John Arthur was saying, we are an image bearer of Christ. And our culture, we need to get away from this thought that believing that those that are unproductive in society, whether they're the elderly, the sick, the children that have abnormalities of some way or another, say like my grandson or those like family member of yours or whoever it might be, Uh, stroke victims, whoever, whatever, Uh, those that are, (laughs) you could even go so far as those that are even on, um, uh, not even working. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, you think about it. Those that aren't working. Useless eaters. You know, they're not working. Hey, boom, get rid of them. 
We need to get out of that thought. People are valued. They're all valued. They're valued by somebody and immensely valued by God. Mm. And just for a little bit short here, there was a story that I read where in Switzerland, a young lady, she was in her late 30s, somewhere around there, who was a ballerina. I talked to y'all before the podcast about this. And she got arthritis in her toes. Which is common. That happens. Yes. Standing on your toes and doing yep. all of that. They got, she got art and wasn't able to dance anymore. Well, she got depressed because she felt like she wasn't going to be able to do what she wanted to do. What does she do? Because there's no limitations in Switzerland for, for why you want to be euthanized. What happens? She wants to get euthanized because she got depressed and is not able to dance anymore. Boom. She gets euthanized. And can now, I, now I, tell me, is that a reason for euthanasia or is that a reason for therapy? Those kinds of things need to be evaluated. And this is from the production booth. Our Mrs. Producer just wanted to add something to what she was saying. Uh, the Meg wanted to pull this out. This is from uh, the Lanzier Institute. The law that allows suicide for patients with depression or other mental disturbance allows it if the doctor feels that their condition has not impaired their judgment. Mm. Man, is that a broad standard. Boy, so man, isn't it? That young lady in Oregon... When even if they're below the age of consent, they would let someone like that in some of these states, and so and certainly in the theory. Don't fact check me on on Vermont or Oregon. I don't know what the age is for it, but eventually they would want you to be able to consent to euthanasia mm -hmm. as a fourteen-year-old or a sixteen-year-old who's depressed <laughs> over something like that. And that's. That's tragic because, I mean, I, I remember being very depressed as a teenager. I mean, just terribly depressed. Uh, 14-year-old girls. I know. I mean, come on. How many aren't? <laughs> you know, break up with a boyfriend or, you know, you don't right. make the cheerleading squad or somebody made fun of you at school and you just don't feel like you fit in. So now you're depressed. Somebody I, made fun of your your jeans or didn't yes. like your shoes or your hair that day. My sister still makes fun of my clothes. <laughs> Boy, that's a funny-looking T-shirt you got on. No, I, I like that T-shirt. That. That, that looks like an AFR T-shirt. Yeah, I don't <laughs> nice know about that. From a philosophical <laughs> perspective. Getting serious now. Trying to get serious here. Uh, from a philo philosophical perspective, I think – it's important that we really think through the issue um, and we think it all the way through. I think the wisdom says, and I think we've kind of shown that tonight uh, with this, this podcast, is that we miss some of the value. We miss some of the good in, in having a person extend their life. And I think it's to our detriment. And Steve hit on it there really well. You know, there's there's something that my mom always um, pins on the end of her emails, and it, and it goes like this. Things are not always as they appear to be. Sometimes we think the grass is greener on the other side. And unfortunately, once we get to the other side, we find out we were duped. The grass was actually burnt or dead. And... Folks, um, this is from purely from a philosophical point of view. This, in, in philosophy, the love of wisdom, the search for wisdom, it's really important that we, we see the whole thing, look at it, evaluate it all the way around. Nikki, from theology, most important thing that we should be remembering. God is the author of life. The word of God says, I created, or I knew you before I created you in the womb. He's not surprised when a child is born in a certain way. He's not surprised if you have a car accident. Next thing you know, you have a brain injury. He's not surprised when you grow old and you start suffering the, the effects of old age. God is not surprised. So we have to ask ourselves, why? That's what we do. We say, why is he allowing this? Well, why is he allowing this? 
What is it that we're not seeing? If he looks at this person with the value of life, with high value to their life, why are we not? Especially you Christians. You better get into the word and you better understand God's perspective on the life that he created. I think about that verse, if you shall search for me with all your heart, thou shall find me. Amen. Amen. Find that. Me. Folks, I hope this has been an informative podcast, and I, and I hope that you have seen from a biblical perspective why we don't agree with euthanasia. It's, it's not something that, that should be allowed, and, and, you know, it's interesting that we brought out there's only seven countries that, that currently have it legalized. Um, my concern is that there's quite a few more that are, are wanting to do that. I hope you'll take a moment to go ahead and like the broadcast. Just hit the little like button there. Even better, go ahead and share it. Um, share it with somebody that, that might even be contemplating this. It'll give them something to really uh, think about. But uh, I, I really hope that you'll take some time to, to share it with uh, another person. If you didn't like it, we are sorry about that, but we would like to hear why you didn't like it. What is it that you didn't agree with? What are, what are your arguments for euthanasia? And I assure you, we, we try to look at all the comments and respond as quickly as possible, and we'll, we'll do that with you. Um, you can make sure that you hit the like button twice. That would be great. That might even make you feel a little bit better there. Um, <laughs> Did you guys like that? Yeah. Was that a good slip in there? Uh, guys, we are so glad that you have joined us. Thank you so much for your support. We greatly appreciate it. Um, I want to say good night for, for now, and we'll be looking forward to doing our next podcast. Good night. Okay. Obviously, some of you have stayed with us. Those who are still here, Those are, that are you're still either this. asleep yeah. or you really enjoyed it. You've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the super two. listeners. Thank you. A amen and amen. So Hit we, we always like to do the, uh, the fun thing uh, here. So what I want to do is I want to go around the room tonight. Your dream vacation. Oh, goodness. Your oh, dream yes. vacation. Oh, my goodness. Right? I got it. Nikki. And and I'm going to go over uh, you you producers. You better be careful. I make them over there. All right. So Miss Nikki, you're hiding a cabin in the woods. I don't care what state, as long as it's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you listening, you need to understand. Nikki's Nikki's enduring the menopause thing right now, and hot flashes are real. And, and she is tormented so often. I Been totally through get with it. My wife she would already, not have a problem so with Alaska, gone. would you? Alaska would be okay. Oh, I don't want that cold, but I do. I mean, in the summer, it's actually quite lovely. Yes, I'm sure that it is. John Arthur, dream vacation. Oh goodness, anywhere where the family is. I know that's sappy and like that is so sappy. But really, I like I, it. No I real destination. Be, man. Hey, I've been all over the world. It's great. Uh, you know, South okay. Korea is awesome. Hawaii would be cool. Alaska would be cool. Colorado in a cabin would be cool. Yes. But as long as the family's there, that's the thing. Good stuff. Steve. Yes. I would like one of two th incidences. It would be either to bow hunt elk, possibly in... Um, Colorado, mm, Colorado, New Mexico, some, you know, one state and around uh, for about three weeks, probably nice. in the mountains, in a tent, or bow hunt moose in Alaska for, Boy. you know, probably three weeks. I tell you what, weeks, me and Janet will stay in the cabin and you and Charlie can sleep in the tent. How's that? <laughs> Because it'd have to be like, you know, some remote place where, you know, you That's stay right. out in a tent and, you know, they have... You know, of course, you'd have your little stove set up out there, your wood stove <laughs> and whatnot. And you, oh, man, I, whew, I would like to, with my bow, I think gosh, at man. the top, uh, just so you folks in Canada that are listening, um, I, I, I truly, I love the country. It, it's beautiful up there. Lake Louise, a week with my wife on Lake Louise would be incredible. I could, as a close second place, a trip to romantic Austria. 
And if you have never been there, you've not experienced romantic. Do not talk to me about Italy. Do not. Austria is quintessential. It is absolutely beautiful. Guys, thank you so much. Oh. And one last thing. Yep. Got to pledge the got to plug the merch. One last thing. I'm Show not going to sure. I'm not going to say that uh, I'm going to let you know that Peter was wearing this uh, when he denied Jesus three times. <laughs> but he felt ashamed for his denial of Christ, but also he felt bad about besmirching the shirt. Did <laughs> don't besmirch the shirt. Go get it at the merch Did, shop. Thank was you so Moses much. wearing that when he parted the Red Sea? Well, uh, we, won't, we won't say that he was, but uh, he looked darn good while doing it. Thank you all <laughs> so much. We better get out of here. Uh, hey, guys, thank you again so much for uh, watching, and we will look forward to having you on our next podcast. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.